Hello, listeners. Thanks for checking in to Design Makes Everything Better. And uh, a real heartfelt thank you to everybody that has been reaching out and sending me emails asking for some more episodes. Um, I guess they have noticed that it has been a little while since we've been able to edit and put uh, some episodes back up again. I guess that's what happens, or that's the curse of what happens when you're busy. You sometimes don't get to do the things that you also love to do, like this podcast. And uh, again, thank you so much. It blows my mind that people all over the world are listening and are enjoying this. The interview that you'll hear today is with two people, Anthony Walsh, he's the chief executive chef at Oliver and Bonaccini, and Marco Gucciardi, who is the uh, director of restaurants and operations at Freehand Hospitality. Now, if um, you're unfamiliar with either of those names, Oliver and Bonaccini is a leader in the hospitality and event space across the country. They have created some of the most memorable and landmark restaurants in the country. And um, Freehand Hospitality is a new company that was formed between Oliver and Bonaccini and the Armor Group. The Armor Group is a developer in Nova Scotia that um, has just finished the development called the Queen's Mark, which is located on the Halifax waterfront. And um, they partnered with the OMB to uh, operate and curate and together build these beautiful restaurants that are located along the, uh, the ground floor. It uh, has been a, a remarkable experience to be a part of the team, creating a couple of those restaurants within the space and doing some other work in the Queen's Mark. But uh, the focus of this conversation is around the restaurants that they've been doing, the challenges that come with that, the opportunities that are there, but um, also, and I think more enjoyably so, is the, the love that they have of creating beautiful experiences and being able to uh, really leave lasting memories with the guests that they have in the, the restaurants that they put together. I hope you enjoy this conversation and uh, continue to check in. Welcome to Design Makes Everything Better, a podcast about design as a process for making decisions and succeeding. Now here's your host, Vince. Mm, yeah, I, I have to say that's something that really struck me as a bit of a surprise, to be completely honest, when I was in those first meetings uh, for the design presentations that we were doing, say for Bar Sophia, how many people were present in those meetings? Um, it's it's obvious that there is more of an inclusive conversation that starts to happen. So it, it's always struck me as a bit of a, um, a challenge at times when you have so many people though at the same time. So how do you keep from a general consensus which can sort of tone, put a sort of a flatness to things versus being at the tip of a spear, which is being unique, being surprising in the space, being surprising in the food. How do you do that yeah. with your group, with so many people when you yeah. want to hear everybody? Yeah, I mean, you have to be very analytical about those people that you do bring into the fold for this. And, you know, you don't want to because we care about like whatever we have m these amazing brains and marketing and stuff and we you know it's known that there's many a projects down the line and everybody's going to you know be a part of that you know inner circle so to speak and you're not going to get it all the time but you know, from where i'm sitting and and brie for example she's the uh project manager project manager brian bain mm -hmm. and, you know 
she can she juggles a whole ton she's a m amazing hustler as well but you know we're very specific about the people that we bring into the fold because as you you know as you said it can really kneecap a process if you have too many opinions um, so you try to zero in on on the ones that are going to be relevant to like the Sophia thing okay there was a specific group of the marketing team and culinary yeah I mean in the background I I didn't take say uh, John Horn and and so and so I brought Julie Martellera who was running Lenya at the time bouncing stuff off her just because it all makes sense and you know what I mean. So you have to be deliberate that yeah. way. You, you um, pick the leaders that you want to work with. Yeah, makes sense yeah. And then you know that trickles down. And at the end of the day, if if you know we're not happy with the results that we're getting, okay, well there'll be, you know, uh, another week, and it's bringing in a few other opinions, and then we can winnow that down. So it's it's again one of these processes that yeah you, you have to start smart. Otherwise, mm. you know, you're in trouble. But. So it's interesting because I think a lot of people think that when a restaurant opens, that's when the biggest majority of decision making has kind of happened, maybe a big chunk, but you've talked about it a few times already, Anthony, where you're seeing a constant reiteration, uh, an evolution and feedback that you're you're not just feeding people, you're, you're stoking the fire, you're, mm -hmm. you're keeping this ongoing relationship, which is a constant evolution, right? So sure. how, can you talk through some of that? So how, like what sort of feedback do you look for? Or do you, do you spend time on Google or is it like, is it real time conversation? Yeah. Like how do you, how do you evolve in the way that you know I'm, better? I mean, from, from a review standpoint, um, which are very important, their opinions. Um, generally speaking, <sighs> You know, I'm not such an ignoramus that I don't read reviews, but I generally prefer for people like Marco, who, and that's a defined part of Marco's responsibility. He has to have boom, 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 X amount of points on open table and fedora or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we have conversations all the time and you bringing up these sort of things. And um, so that's, that's, a, that's a big, big deal insofar as filtering through them. and. Filtering through them and identifying patterns, I think, um, you know, as Chef said, it are, there are people's opinions. And, you know, a, a large part of my job is taking vision, taking the vision of the space, taking the vision of, uh, you know, an investor, uh, a president, and Chef Anthony Walsh is taking those visions and kind of navigating them and then, you know, putting them to fruition, um, largely basing on my experience and seeing what we could actually, um, you know, put into, put into action, um, actioning off these items, um, you know, it would be all fun, but if the teams aren't there yet, uh, or we can't manage to do something operationally, it's like, okay, so how do I tweak that vision to, 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 to try to, steer um, uh, the boat in that direction. And sometimes, you know, a Chef mentioned that, you know, okay, yes, I'd like to turn around on a dime, but a lot of times with, with you know, these restaurants and openings, it's about kind of steering a large ship 
you know, and slowly kind of making the changes to like veer it into a different direction. And I think that reviews, if we're going to look at reviews, I think that they're vitally important. And, you know, uh, as Chef said, it is, it is part of my job in the sense that I do read them every single day and much to chef's chagrin because sometimes I, you know, vent to him about these types of things. But I think it's, um, you know, and he's very good to be like, you know, just always remember our people's opinions. Yeah. But if there has to be vetted yeah, properly because but, some stuff is fucking bullshit. But right? if you see yeah. patterns of negative patterns happening, you know, yeah. specifically on one servers, for example, or specifically on, on one food item yeah. or a cocktail, um, then, you know, you can act on it or, you know, sit down and, 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 and look at it with the team. Yeah. One of my favorite reviews of Breakhouse was the coffee sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe you agree cause you just had it, but they thought it was a restaurant or something. It was, it was pretty right. funny. Um, you know, you're, we were talking about the later stages of after a restaurant opens and gets going and uh, you were talking about coming to a place and knowing before they're doing your research on yeah. a place before how do you guys uh decide on the beginning of a concept you know in in halifax for example you've got a variety of different restaurants that are mm-hmm. opening at the same time how do you go like what's the decision making process where you decide we're gonna have you know right. japanese mediterranean we're gonna have south american how I do you go there a lot of that came from you know Scott McRae, who is um, lived here his entire life and and had a good understanding of what he believed the city needed, um, and a bunch of ideas were were thrown on a board of what he believed the city needed, and I think it was a collective um, kind of you know yeah we could do that mm-hmm. you know and like put a bunch of ideas on a board and be like, oh, that would be very cool if we did Bar Sophia and, and uh, you know, and, you know, it touched on some emotional cues that, you know, the whole team could be like, yeah, you know, it, it's not just about being generic and, you know, making a, a cookie cutter box. It's like you have to love it and you have to have an emotional connection to a restaurant to make it. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean this this project. There, you know, there's quite a few different spots, and as Marco had said, it was very much you know a a Scott initially a Scott thing, and then laying it out there. And he's a bright guy, and he knows that okay, our experiential kind of based knowledge proof is in the pudding. You look at these places, such as like Biff's in Toronto. Wow, what a it's a amazing bistro blah 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 and he's been there he loved that sort of thing and so these conversations will go on and you know we're, we're not a homogenizing uh, type of group uh, so if the inspiration is French bistro we certainly look to some of the experience that we've had from Maison Selby to Bist or whatever and you know we take the, our victories and, and from sure a, a physical design perspective to a degree you know we just know that at the end of it we don't want to have these sort of visual ties that oh fuck this is a this is like a biff's yeah junior uh, sophia is a great example of that you know and, and that was a that was something that uh scott was very very you know uh strong he had a strong opinion that he you know he wanted something 
you know, lively and bright, the essence of that. And, and it's, you know, hugely inspirationally charged. And then with somebody like me and working with my team, you know, you, you start with that, that Salma Hayek notion sure. and it just like literally like wildfire. Um, and I jump on my Lenya train, then I think about my, my mother-in-law who is Lenya, it's her, her nickname. Uh, Elena and you know Lenya came out of that and my ties to my superior half who's Argentinian and then you know this is like an offshoot to a degree um, but not you know we were very very adamant again to have feelings but from you know a design perspective as well as a food perspective the far enough away but maintaining a certain spirit of of inspiration first authenticity you know you nowadays it's you get a smack in the back of the head if you're depending upon who you're feeding if you're putting you know sea buckthorn and creme fraiche in a taco with local halibut you know some people will fuck this is so good and oh man blah, 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 blah. and then these other people you know you're kind of bastardizing this yeah hey man like yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, it's the spirit, it's the inspirational charge of it. And, you know, it's deciding that this is an appropriate concept or, or feeling initially. You know, that's very much that, you know, that you're listening to each other and somebody with experiential knowledge of the place, such as Scott. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's big. It's big. And people often, you know, in our business, we really underestimate the the power of what a good listener can can achieve because there's hearing and there's listening. There's two very different things. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. it doesn't happen enough, you know. And measure three times, you count once. Mm -hmm. And it's a process, right? You know, you want to be doing... You want to be doing, oh, yeah, coming to Nova Scotia, we're going to have a Nova Scotia beef program. There's no fucking way. Out of the gate? No. Now, nine months later, yeah, this afternoon, I'm off with Vessel Meats, and we're buying our second uh, animal, and we're breaking it all down because we're getting closer to being able to to do something like that, which is incredibly meaningful from, a, again, that cultural standpoint of running these things on the operation level. Initially, corporate's like, oh, Christ, you know, here they go with cutting up beef and it's going to cost us, it'll be cheap in a way, but way more expensive. Okay, there's a different thing. And how this resonates with the people who are selling it and serving it, and then the people on in the kitchen, it's a cultural thing. And it's very important to, to hang on to the craft of what we do as well. You know, not all beef comes out of a Cisco box and a cryovac individually done. That's fine for those who, yeah, who that, who dig that. Whereas, you know, where I want to go, and again, the only homogenization for us is, is, you know, that, that back of way behind the operations is that, you know, the importance of that teaching and respect. That's the only common thread that we have. Sure, we have our DORs that come in in a certain way, our daily operation reports. Yeah, okay, fuck, that's technical and theoretical stuff. The real... Culture. Yeah, that's, that is the thing in the yeah, kitchen and in you know, the front. I think a big part of probably your draw is, you know, you're connected to 
an incredible development that has within it a lot of attention and, and quite frankly, a lot of optimism. Mm-hmm. It just you're looking for um, a new way of thinking about our city, and people are drawn to that. Mm-hmm. And if they hear that, you know, this is this is a there's a long term point of view of of freehand. This isn't just a um, you know a quick opening and you're back into your your homes and and you're away again from from here. But you're you're really being building something much bigger that's yeah. more meaningful here. And I, people are drawn to that. There's an optimism. There's another point of view, especially coming out of COVID. Right? Like it's just yeah. people want to be connected to that that gathering and that spirit that is just another way of looking at something that's been a bit of a difficult haul for a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the responsibility that we have, you know, honoring this, uh, it was one of the first things that struck me. I had been down a couple of times at the very beginning of COVID, had like emergency worker visa, keeping tabs on me, making sure I was going into my hotel like every six hours under surveillance, yada, yada, yada. Brutal. Um, but you know, the stuff that the architect, Brian McKay Lyons, that, you know, the detail in which the whole district has been laid out, uh, you know, everything about being an iconic piece of the Maritimes is there, you know, with the steps to the rise again to, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's daunting and, and I'm humbled by, by the whole thing. We all are. And, you know, again, it's Scott, you know, hunkering down with Brian and, and Brian is an incredible guy. I've been fortunate enough in the last little while to, to meet him. I didn't really know who he was, but I was cooking at some uh, beach thing at the beginning of it all. And, uh, we hit it off. We did this hot or a, a rappy pie, and he was like almost in tears because it brought him way back. And then like this, a ratatouille moment of sorts. Yeah, exactly. very much so. And uh, I didn't know this guy from Adam, right? And we latched on to each other, so to speak. And you know how much I've learned uh, from him about you know the aesthetics and the feelings uh, of uh, being up at his place at Showback and uh, just talking about, you know, how that sort of has come through the design and stuff and the importance of holding on to uh, some of the historical aesthetics. And, you know, I I take a lot of those words and I put them into a lot of the food ideas, you know, how important it is that we, certain things we're not going to change. And I don't care if it's a pain in the ass of squeezing out our potatoes and getting the starch, and then we use the starch back into the the rappy, blah, 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 blah. And I know there's many ways of doing rappy, but these are things that, you know, we looked into and listened um, to locals, um, you know, we're lucky we've got a lot of locals who work for us who all have an opinion on rappy pie, for example. You know, so that that's sort of whole looking at at what we're doing through the eyes of the designer as well, you know, sure. the architect, and learning again, listening and learning from them, and then oh, it's it's just to my benefit, selfishly speaking, that I take this and. You know, sure. do my thing. Yeah, you can really see um, a very similar cultural point mm-hmm. of view where, you know, the built environment where he's coming from is connected to a very long and deep history. And it is tapping into 
this place, right. both in, in spirit um, and just, just an emotive level. Yeah. And that's what you do in the restaurants that you, mm-hmm. that you have, right? It's not just an obvious historical play. It, it is, it is layered with surprises and it's, it's doing yeah. interesting things. And, you know, it, it, so the fit is, is very natural in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, you know, you, the, the connection that you guys have with, with food and, you know, the, the meaning behind it for, for you guys and what motivates you then all the time to, to show up and hustle like you do. Um, I've, I've wondered when being in some of your places, if, you know, some places that I would go to that would be one-off boutiques, the people who would be there would be considering themselves as like a host to the gathering that they're, they're having as a restaurant, as a place for gathering, um, which is so important today. And we recognize that having left from COVID, but piece of the human connection was missing. Um, in the sort of spirit of gathering that you have in your restaurants, do you consider yourselves as hosts to that gathering or more facilitators to that gathering? I think 100% hosts. Um, I think, you know, if everyone, certainly from the front of house side and the service side, you know, it's, it's, I'd like to say to the, you know, to the people that are new at it, you know, first time walking into a restaurant job, first thing we tell them or the first thing I say to them, it's like, you're, you're inviting your family or you're inviting people that you care very deeply about into your home for a special meal, whether it be a holiday, et cetera, et cetera. That is the, that is the goal. You know, there's a certain level of formality there. When you are inviting people for a special occasion, there's a level of formality, there's a level of love, there's an emotional connection, and there's a welcoming spirit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, there's a whole lot of that with the people that we have employed with us. So yeah. we're, we're fortunate on that end. Yeah, I, I mean, do most, feel of that. Our, yeah, most of our places, I would say it's probably 75%, and speaking of the back of house, 75% of our places are open kitchens. And that is a big, that's a, I, I didn't grow up in open kitchens. It's tough to do. It is, but it changes, you know, as a young cook, whatever, I remember, you know, you have your head down and you're shit scared about getting the stuff out and, you know, you don't even correlate the, the beautiful food that you busted your hump on that it's actually going to a person, right? And, you know, you see these young cooks and young sous chefs running a line and they know that you have people sitting at the rail. There's a certain decorum but there has to be the eye contact and the care and, you know, uh, conversation quickly and being able to, and they, it's a learning thing, right? It doesn't, but, uh, it's very, very important. Well, that direct feedback that you would have being able to see the people eating their food and the expressions on their faces, whether or not it's Brian, that's almost brought to tears, like you said, because Mm -hmm. of something that has a connection to history for him and, and those that are, do you, is that immediate feedback, uh, does that improve what's on the table? Do you think? Yeah, I think if, I mean, people, happy cooks cook better. That's it, you know, climate of fear and stuff like that. And that doesn't yeah. really, I mean, there's an intensity certainly, but not, 
I don't think any of our places have that old school, you know, climate of fear that I grew up in. And I'm not sure if it's because I grew up in it um, that I won't put up with it. It's just the way we should be and the way, thankfully, society is that we don't put up with this bullshit anymore because it was crazy. It's crazy some of the shenanigans that went on back in the day and, you know, evolution and, yeah. and uh, movements and stuff like this. It's, it's good. To, it's, we're in a good place, you know, from that context. But people inherently cook better when they're happier and they're learning. You know, you can tell, I can, I'll poke around at the end of a service and see how cooks have wrapped up their stations. And generally the, you know, the biggest, brightest, happiest cats have shut their stations down properly and things are labeled. These little things are results of, of our, you know, taking the time to make them feel good about it. And hey, when you're done this, it's gotta be done this way, this way, this way, this way. That's not, you know, a battering ram on top of them. It's quite mm -hmm. quite the contrary. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you can feel whether or not you're with people that really love you and care for you and mm -hmm. you sit around a, a family meal. You, Fuck, it's it, a hospitality it's, business, guys. It, yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the greatest thing to know that you're making, you're eating something that someone who cares for you yeah. is making that. And you, you feel it, you see it. Um, and it's the same with, with our business specifically, you know, mm -hmm. you can see people who are deeply, deeply dedicated and what they feel is important right. and they are giving back to a bigger community that enriches their own lives and they get to be a part of it. And they just, they button up everything perfectly and beautifully. And yeah. it's, it's, um, it's an important thing to, to have that love of, of space. And it's great to hear that that's changing because I don't think a lot of people necessarily know that, you know, they... Yeah, you know, people <clears throat> latch into the crazy stories, you know, whatever. I mean, it, shit still happens 100%, you know, you know, people talking about the Michelin game coming to, to Canada and stuff and, oh, are we going to see a resurgence? And, you know, uh, no, I don't think so. Not in Canada. I mean, stuff probably does go on here or there, but... Mm -hmm. You know, it's fairly quickly, uh, um, you know, discovered if somebody you got a pissed off uh, employee. Yeah, sure. they're very quick to go to that. Why, so. why is you, you brought up Michelin? Why, why is Michelin important to you guys? I think it's a. I think it's a. a I mean, a certain part of me for years is like, fuck Michelin. Like, what do I have to? You know, because I was happier with guests from Europe or from the States coming up and sitting up a canoe and. Like, this is not a Michelin star, like, really? Kind of thing. I, I got off on that more than, you know, not being a part of the club. I think with the business hat on, um, very much so. It winds me up that it's just Toronto initially. I, I think that's a mistake, personally, uh, in more ways than one. Like, Toronto has enough haters now. It's like, oh, Christ, you know. <laughs> um, poor Toronto. But, yeah, poor Toronto. Um, but I think it's, 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 it's exposure on a world, world stage, which is really, really terrific. Yeah. Um, we have exposure already, but this is a different thing, and it's very valuable. And, you know, kept in the right, um, in the right context, I think, it, you know, it, it gives people, uh, those who are interested in it, because you have phenomenal restaurants that want nothing to do with it, and good for them, mm -hmm. right? For us, for certain restaurants, we expect to be, you know, contacted and have been. And, uh, yeah, we're going to do what we can to, to become a part of it. And it's a fledgling, you know, how, how it's going to evolve in Canada. 
mm. you know, it'll be a different thing. You know, the Michelin game is way different than it was, obviously, you know. Mm. Mm. So, well, yeah, it, there, it seems to be, and I don't, I'm not speaking to my expertise here, but it seems like it's evolving significantly where mm -hmm. it's a little bit more open to the different um, yeah. nuances of different restaurants. And it's not all about you know, and how hopefully, long you can drop a fork before someone picks it up yeah. and you get a mark against it or something, yeah. you know? Like you know, and, and hopefully with being in Canada and, you know, hopefully the, the old school kind of taboos, um, along with Michelin are, are kind of going to change and dissipate. And, you know, we were talking about inclusivity, um, you know, hopefully that, that, that aspect changes a little bit and progresses. Um, Mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll see that happen. Yeah. Um, I know that you guys have to uh, get running. I just have maybe just one little section of questions here. In opening up your restaurants, um, not necessarily here, but I just mean in all of your experience, have you found um, or can you think of one that's maybe been a surprise win that you didn't necessarily think would be as um, successful as it has been? And if so, what might some of the reasons have been for the success that it saw? Right. Um, I mean, I'll just speak to, for my two cents. The most recent would be, and it's not because you guys were our partners in this, was Sophia. Like, we expected it to be, okay, there's always a shiny penny period. Um, and it was different. It was, you know, quite ethnic, I guess is the right... The cultural diversity there is... I, I didn't think yeah. that you were going to answer this this way, so I'm not... Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't plugging for anything. Yeah, but no, no, no. But like, really, it's, it's from amazing. a performance standpoint, mm. back to the question, I mean, it has far exceeded um, our initial expectations. That's great. You know, uh, and that's a combination of, again, Marco doing his thing with regards to we're going to take, you know, where we're going with the spirit and stuff like yeah. that and really you know, really give it the gears and and start working on, you know, the different aspects from the time periods. We're dining from whatever it is, from five to nine, what goes on, hit, you know, nine. The lights come down, the music goes up, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Marco can speak more to that. But, uh, and then the patio coming. But yeah, for me, it would be, and I know it's the freshest, but, like, I wouldn't say double the expectation, but like, it's punching way above its weight comparatively. Mm. And it's just because you think it's possibly, I'm putting words in your mouth here, but like a unique offering that hasn't been around. Yeah, it's I think a different this, energy. Yeah, like the, the energy, the spirit, certainly, you know, I like being the chef. It's like, I like to think, yeah, the food is unbelievable and it's not fancy. It's, it's, it's new, but it's, it's approachable. Uh, approachable to a degree, you know, assuming our, 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 our servers and runners are explaining and, you know, when their people are reading and, you know, what's a tostada or what is a morcilla or whatever. And we, we have the stuff to sort of coax them in there. And then at some point, you know, you, you get to a certain, uh, level and you won't be hitting those questions because there's that reputation of oh fuck this mm, place sure. Sophia blah, blah 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 you know you gotta have the blood sausage when I hear that that's like music to my ears because where we were you know three months ago and where you are now you know, shit should we put blood sausage on the menu you know it's like mm -hmm. our second biggest seller right, right. yeah and kudos to uh, you know Vince the 
your team here at, at Breakhouse, <clears throat> you guys did a wonderful job in creating a space where that's possible, right? Um, if you want to draw parallels, it's, it's about the environment, right? So sometimes it's easier uh, to create a vibe or an atmosphere when you have um, the landscape painted for you to do that. Um, part of my job is to create that, uh, that atmosphere, and I like that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot easier when, uh, you know, things are in motion and things are laid out for, for it to happen that way, right? If it was a black box, maybe it would be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And then my mentality, our mentality, looking at what actually are we going to do in this black box? Well, you know, maybe the, this is not going to work because it is a black box or you, you yeah, know what sure. I mean. Yeah. And I think that kudos to the, to the Breakhouse team for creating an, an airy and, 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 you know, I think the Breakhouse team did an excellent job in funneling out that vision. So we're essentially doing all the things that we are, you know, the Breakhouse team with the design has taken the vision that has come out of those meetings and created a space. Uh, uh, chef, The chef team on the Backhouse side has picked from that vision and, and, and put their feelings into, into what the food is. And on the front of house side, we have curated this atmosphere and, and libations to all kind of go with it. So it's all a symbiotic um, relationship of sorts. It all, it all kind of comes one after another. Yeah. So, yeah, as lovers of, of food and gathering and socializing and being connected to people, we're... we're that's the last question here. Where, where are you guys going to take that edge off? Is it at home? Yeah. yeah. Making dinner for the family or is so. it for me? What, what is it? It's everything is about being home. Um, Probably because you spent yeah, some time away from Hanging us. out with my kids and my superior half. Uh, even if it is working at her bakery, uh, that is, you know, things I cherish and, I love cooking. I love cooking. We, um, it's a, it's therapeutic for me, but it's also something that I just like to share with my kids. And they're all amazing cooks. My wife's a phenomenal cook. So, yeah, it's home. But then you know, I have. I'm lucky enough. I live in Koreatown in in Toronto. So. We're on, you know, we're always out, out and about, you know, the fresh to- yeah. tofu houses or, and it's not just Korean, but we bounce around. I mean, Toronto's got its haters, but it's also got uh, unbelievable uh, multicultural yeah. spots. And again, it's that enlightened aspect of Toronto and yeah, it's got its, it's, got its warts certainly, but their biggest strength is that uh, acceptance and, um, you know the the enthusiasm uh, we have for you know that that melting pot. So. Yeah, I miss the uh, the holes in the wall, the little Jamaican oh, yeah, restaurants yeah, yeah, that yeah, which yeah. we don't find here, right? Like yeah, there's a no. few really cool street yeah. food vendors yeah, here, like sure, Rocco's, yeah. Yeah. Rockies. Sorry, have you tried that? You got it in Argyle Street. Go by one night. Right. Amazing food. Yeah. But what, what about you, Marco? Yeah, that's how I. Uh, you know, if I relax and you said that, you know, as social being, uh, social creatures that we are and, and constantly being around people and purveyors of good time and 
and you know spirits and you know the drinks and the the food and the, the that kind of lifestyle i think for me, what relaxes me is is kind of going the other way um is the antisocial route where i you know i coop myself up in my house and make a, a great meal for somebody or uh, find those holes in the wall there's nothing that makes me happier actually than um, you know, going to restaurants that I grew up going to or my father would take me to or my grandparents would take me to in Montreal, for example, you know, going to grab a, a <laughs> like a, a not very high quality sandwich at Walensky's, yeah. you know, it's, sitting, it's I remember, about. It's high quality, uh, I mean, bro. it's bologna and I'll be salami, it's hyper over processed, but Walensky's I just remember thing. as a child right. sitting there with my dad and I'll still go, yeah. you know, a chalet barbecue. <laughs> Is, uh, Best chicken in the world. <laughs> you know, they still have those rotisseries from the 50s that yeah. run on charcoal. Um, that, you know, so now, like, what makes me happy, honestly, uh, in a, uh, on a day off in Halifax, like, I'll order Chalet Swiss because that's the closest I can get to that and and, and just kind of close my eyes and pretend I'm there. doesn't always work. Um, going to the beach, you know, um, bringing some charcuterie, some really good cheese. Uh, you know, Ratino is doing some really good work and on um, with the charcuterie and, you know, getting a nice loaf of sourdough at, at, at LF bakery, uh, hopping on my, my, uh, on my, uh, on my scooter and, and driving out to the beach and having a little picnic with some, you know, with some craft beer or, 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 or a bottle of, of, of really cool, um, you know, Nova Scotian wine, uh, or just driving out to the Valley and sitting on Lightfoot and Wolfville's patio and looking at the Bay of Fundy is spectacular. You know, th there's such richness in the landscape here. And I think that that's where I kind of, you know, unwind and, and, and find that really kind of place that I feel relaxed and, yeah. and Lightfoot and Wolfville in the Valley is one of them being on the beach, having a picnic is another one of them and just kind of just kicking off and, yeah. you know, having a, having a, grabbing a bottle of Benjamin bridge, uh, you know, uh, Piquette, um, and just hanging out. Yeah. And waiting to do it all over. I mean, we spend a lot of time doing what we do. So the on the moments that we're off, oh, there are few and far between, and uh, that's kind of what relaxes me. You know? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I think uh, I had a mad crush on Anthony Bourdain, and uh, I think he said that his uh, happiest place is on a plastic chair on the side of the road somewhere, eating from some. Street. Oh yeah, it's just. And traveling and finding those spots, yeah. the plastic chair spot, whether it's in Vietnam or, you know, you have, you're in Mexico and, you know, you're in, you know, you have the, the old lady making the tortillas in front of you and, and, you know, uh, or you're, you're in Italy and you're eating some tripe out of a stand or some panela in Southern Sicily. Like that's the type of thing that I get off on, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's with that traveling and with that experience and seeing what others do, um, really kind of all help in that uh, creating your own spaces you know? sure. I've, yeah. authentic and real experiences yeah. yeah man well thank you very much gentlemen for coming in today Pleasure. I have a million questions but I know that uh, time is up and I, you guys gotta get going and again really appreciate yeah. it and it's been thank such so a much. pleasure working with you guys and uh, being a part of the, the experiences that we're creating here and uh, yeah look forward to many more nights ahead alright okay thanks, thanks guys thank you 
Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks for listening to the Design Makes Everything Better podcast by Breakhouse, a Canadian strategic design firm. If you like the show, help us out. Subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app and share us with your friends. Have feedback or ideas for the show? Drop us a line at podcast at breakhouse.ca.